0: Hello, and welcome to Small Business Happy Hour, a podcast where we interview a different entrepreneur or small business owner every week to hear their story.
1: We chat about their business, passions, struggles, and all things small business. Oh, and we drink with our guests during the interview, hence the happy
0: hour. I'm your host, Derek, founder of Yoga for All Humans, a fully online yoga studio.
1: And I'm your host, Holly, creator of the blog, The Bitter Lemon, and author of many books. We are so happy you're here. Hi, Holly! Hello!
0: How good is it?
1: Pretty good. How are you?
0: Good. Just busy with work and reading. That's pretty much it.
1: (laughs) I know. I had my... My apartment had its, like, annual fire inspection today, where they basically... I don't know if it's a fire marshal or if it's someone from the fire department. I think it's someone from the city, someone in an official capacity like comes into all of our apartments and like they check all the sprinklers and they, they, we have a separate like building fire alarm. So they set that off and make sure like everyone can hear it inside their apartment. And they like, look at all the fire extinguishers, which this is one thing that's like, I feel like there's a lot of catch 22 stuff about living in an apartment because like on the one hand, I'm really grateful that they do that. So it like helps me feel safe that they, you know, pay attention to that or whatever. But on the other hand, like this year in particular, or like this month in particular, I am so freaking sick of them coming into my apartment because they were here so much when I don't know if I mentioned it, but during uh, the freeze, a pipe to my hot water heater cracked. And when I tell you at one point, there were four maintenance men and the leasing agent in my apartment at like eight o'clock at night, like the night that it happened. And they were, they were in there for like four hours. And then they came back the next day because something was still wrong. And then they, Came back like a week later to check and then they had to bring in a third party like contractor because they had to rip up a bunch of drywall and stuff. So someone had to come and replace it. So Mm -hmm. unannounced, I literally came home from running an errand and these contractors were inside my apartment and I was like, cool. I hate this. Like, obviously it happened and you get the repair for quote unquote free because I rent here But I'm just like, oh, my God, I feel like my space is not my space, which obviously it's a space I'm renting. But every time they walk in and out, I'm like, look at my pretty rug that you guys are just stomping all over. (laughs) And look at all my stuff that, you know, it's like you just feel some type of way about all your stuff being out. And like I'm always in my pajamas pretty much like working from home. And like, yeah, it's just I'm just like, okay. can you guys like stay out for like the next four weeks, please?
0: (laughs) It is. It's weirdly intrusive, you know,
1: it is. It's like, I know I don't own the place and I, I'm grateful that, you know, they, they, when the water heater thing happened, they fixed it that night. Like it was, it was great. It was really cold out, whatever. But they made, they also made like a giant mess on my patio. It took me, I had to, you know, clean that up. But yeah, um, it's like chump change as far as problems go. But yeah. <laughs> it was just one of those, and it's like one of those things where if I did not work from home, most of that stuff I would never even know about. Like, I, yeah. the years that I worked in an office, like mo- living in Austin and working in an office, like the first, Four years that I lived here I went to an office so I never had to like deal with a annual fire inspection because it's just something they do during the day Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously working from home you can you can hear everybody's fire alarm go off like you can tell when they're getting closer to your apartment because you can hear everyone's alarm go off and like them banging on the door whatever it's it's over now so
0: that's funny When did we last record our intro? Was it last Tuesday whenever I was waiting for the book? I don't know. Anyway,
1: you had gotten the book. Okay. And you had already read like 200 pages, you said. I remember I asked you if it was halfway and you were like, no, it's like 800 pages.
0: That's right. Yeah. So I got it last Tuesday and I finished it this Tuesday. (laughs) Wow. And I've been working like every day, even over the weekend, you know, because I never really stopped working. So I've still like got a lot of work done, but like literally any downtime I was reading. So, I got so you
1: yeah, you read like a like 110 pages a day, basically.
0: I guess it was an 833 page book. So yeah, good good math. <laughs> <laughs> but it was worth it. I mean, I was just like dedicated and good God if you're even thinking about reading Sarah Jane Moss books, it's a cult at this point, I'm, and I'm here for it. So it was it was a so, wild ride, but it was a really good book.
1: And it ended like so. Now you know there's a book coming, right?
0: Well, we do know there's a book coming, but I'm glad she she said that in an interview because it did kind of end in a way where she could have closed it if she. Would.
2: Okay. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because this one had a lot more closure than her other series at book three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm glad that she's going to continue the story because there's there was like a lot of overlap with her other series and this one. So I think she'll probably continue to play with that. But it was well done. Good God, it was like a roller coaster. I don't I don't know how she comes up with all this shit because it's all fantasy and so it's just all made up. And I'm like, how, how do you, do you think, think of this shit?
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I would assume and like I, this is just a total guess, but I would assume that fantasy authors, you know, create the world's just like fiction. They probably they have to do the extra work. Mm. It's like if you set a story in London, you know, you use the current London setting. But if hers is like in a meadow that she made up in her mind or whatever it is, like she probably writes all that stuff or makes like a picture or something like that she creates all the rules herself.
0: Yeah. And like each book has like a map.
1: Okay. Okay. Like a
0: world map of mm-hmm. like, so you can like all the places. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: That's so cool. It's like
0: Lord of the Rings style maps, but like it's that detailed. It's yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like on that level of, of creativity. Yeah.
1: Well, that's good. That's probably why you like it so
0: much. Oh yeah. I haven't, Read a book that fast since Harry Potter,
1: yeah. Well, I am, I just started reading a different cult, cult favorite. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> I am uh, 200 pages into Twilight, yeah, which came out in 2005. I looked oh it up. Oh my god, did it! <laughs> <laughs> so, about 20 years late to the game. Oh. But you know, when Twilight came out, I just had zero. Let's just set the scene, okay? Two thousand five. I was a sophomore in college. Yeah. I honestly don't know how much how much reading in college I was doing outside of school because I was an English major. I wrote for the paper, the LSU paper. I was super busy. So I I honestly don't know that I read that many books for fun, like in college. But I don't remember having much of an interest in like any of the Twilight, like whatsoever. I still, even when I, I just bought the book last year, thinking like, oh, I saw it at a thrift store. And I was like, you know, I never read these. And maybe like, why not read it? Because it was like four bucks or something. And I was like, okay. So I got Twilight. And I was going to read it around Halloween. And I just never did. So um, now I'm like trying to read stuff off my bookshelf. So I saw it. And I was like, yeah, why not tap into this? So yeah, I'm 200 pages in. I was just reading before we got on to record. And Bella, she has like just kind of started questioning Edward. Like he saved her again from a second dangerous moment (laughs) and
0: (laughs) she's always in trouble
1: (laughs) right she's always in trouble and he's always there um in his (laughs) car moving very fast to save her and so she starts questioning him about you know she has already met jacob and jacob told her like the lowdown on the cullen family edward cullen and his family And so she starts asking Edward, like, are you a vampire? Do you sleep in a coffin? Do you drink blood? That type of stuff. And he's, like, answering her questions. And at the end of the chapter, he drops her off at home. And at the end of the chapter, she says that she knows she's in love with him, which, of course, is just, like, psychotic because nothing (laughs) has even happened. (laughs) Are
2: you enjoying Um, it so far?
1: But... (laughs) I will say this, when I picked it off the shelf to read it, I was like, is this, I I opened it up and read like the little inscription that's like on the front page and then I shut it and I was like, I can't deal with this. (laughs) 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 That was on Sunday and then Monday I read like 50 or 60 pages because when I saw the inscription, I just thought, is this going to be like a fantasy novel, like this stuff that you're reading, like that is just like too much for my brain. Like I have always had a little bit of a block when it comes to just too much. Like if there's too many characters in a book, it's just hard for me to compute all of it. And like, if stuff is too far out there, I feel like I just can't wrap my brain around it. And so I think, I think maybe that's why I was never interested in it because I was just thinking like, if this is too far, I'm just not going to get into it, but it's so far, it's not that way. It's literally just like teenage, you know, romance with this added layer of whatever this is. Like it hasn't really gone there yet, but I love like YA novels and like high school romance, stuff like that. So I feel like as long as that train keeps on going, I will enjoy it.
0: I won't say anything. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> but I'm already excited to watch the movie because I want to see like how they show all of this stuff happening, you know?
0: Yeah. I think it's a good idea to watch each movie after you do the book.
1: Yeah. So I already looked and they're all on Hulu. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So I'll, cause I'll probably finish it, um, by the weekend I would imagine. So Watching Twilight for the first time this weekend,
0: probably. <laughs> I'm excited for you. Makes me want to rewatch them. Kind of. Right. Kind of. I'll add it to my list. Well, that's fun. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. Yeah, they're, I was obsessed with them. You know, I was like reading them whenever they were coming out, went to the midnight movie releases, all that good stuff. Wore my team so-and-so shirt, you know, all that all good right.
1: stuff. I was going to say, I'm already feeling a certain type of way. But, you know, I'm just going to see how how it rolls.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait for you to get to book two. It's going to be fun.
1: I know. And, you know, the funny thing is, if I remember correctly, um, they filmed the Twilight movies in Baton Rouge.
0: They did film a lot of it in Baton Rouge because I did not see them. But... um, Ashley Green is in the movie. Do you know who that is?
1: It sounds familiar, but I can't picture who it is.
0: She's not, like, super famous, but she's one of the sisters, one of Edward's sisters in the movie. Okay. And she was dating Joe Jonas at the time.
1: Okay. And
0: one of my friends saw them at La Madeleine eating yeah. outside in... um where you used to live. What Road. Yeah, Kirk that's what Road. I was going
1: to say, because uh-huh. when I was living there, people were, it was always a buzz. Oh, um, what's her face? What's what's the woman's name that played um, Bella?
0: Oh, Kristen Stewart.
1: Kristen Stewart. Yeah, because they mm-hmm. were like the two hottest, like mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart and Rob Hansen were like two hottest actors, I feel like at that time. And the fact that they were together, quote unquote, which now I'm like, that was such bullshit
0: wait that was pr that was a pr relationship
1: totally pr but it was like a pr relationship before we even were knowing that was a thing yeah you know yeah um but yeah i do remember that like oh people were wondering if they were like living in one of the corporate apartments there like yeah i remember that being a time
0: yeah that was a time well, I'm excited for this journey for you. Um, I'm going to get back to the other series of Sarah J. Moss, because I was reading her very first series. I was like halfway through book two. I mm-hmm. had to take a break, leave my poor characters, and their dire situation. I out <laughs> about that. Like one of their characters is in a really tough spot. So I was like, girl, hang tight. I'll be back.
2: <laughs>
1: BRB.
0: Yeah oh my god um well yeah,
1: we're just two little bookworms we're a bookish podcast now
0: you, seriously that's like all we've been talking about
1: it's good. good yeah
0: that's not a bad thing so yeah this week is a completely opposite direction we <laughs> were our interview is with um park valentine yes and it was a really fun interview um park is a really cool person. Just the pictures and the style is just really impressive. It was really cool learning about the styling process.
1: Well, before before you go too far into what she does, let's we'll say that she is a stylist, but she's also a branding expert. So she has a really unique set of talent in that. She can see how things work together in real life, like in style, it's like styling situations, but also in marketing campaigns on websites, like all of it works together in a, a really unique way. So the conversation goes in a lot of different directions. Um, but I feel like I know for me, the more creative people we talk to like that. I feel like we just get to know how so many people's not only their journey, but also their career is, is non-linear. Like it's Mm. so, I don't even like day by day, like, it's just, you know, using all of your tools to like make something work basically, which I felt like is what I gathered from our conversation with her.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I thought it was pretty fascinating that with like, clothing style because you know she does a lot of clothing styling as well that that is part of branding you know whenever you're like Mm -hmm. i was it was kind of making me think like okay like if i become more of an image for the studio if the studio gets bigger like i'm gonna have to think about myself as part of the brand you know and i was like oh god i'm gonna need parks help whenever it comes to that So, (laughs)
2: yeah
0: yeah it is interesting how it's just all multifaceted um so yeah, it, very cool episode. Kind of going in a lot of different directions, but it was a it was a really fun conversation.
1: Yeah, and she has a great a great voice. So yes. enjoy the listen.
0: <laughs> yes, and very pretty as well. So great to look at too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all enjoy. Hello, hello, hello.
3: hi. Bye. How's it going? Can you hear me okay?
0: Yeah, you sound great. How are you? I'm good. Good.
3: Catching up after all the holiday
0: madness, so. I know. I know. It's kind of like the, what, like intermission between the next. (laughs) (laughs) It's
3: like run to slow down.
0: Basically. (laughs) And I'm like coming, I guess, coming down from like terrible seasonal allergies. I went to go visit.
3: So many people are like having that, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I feel like I got like a double whammy because I went and visited a friend in Portland for a week after spending a week in Vegas for a work trip. Nope. (laughs) That'll do it. (laughs) Yeah. And then I came home and there was probably something in the air here and I was just like comatose for like a week. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. We actually had like two interviews scheduled for that week and I was like, I just cannot Holly. I don't (laughs) Good, I don't sound like,
2: yeah, like All right,
0: I love your business yeah <laughs> yeah Yeah. pretty much so awesome. but I'm feeling mostly better now so it's good to see you and I'm glad we finally get to meet
3: yes 100% thanks for being flexible with everything too I appreciate it
0: yeah of course yeah and I rescheduled last time because I had to go teach a class and I was actually thank God I found a sub for the class tonight because my usual teacher needed a sub and I was like oh my God we can't reschedule <laughs>
3: <laughs> like not again. No. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah.
0: It is park, right? I'm yeah, it's
3: park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. Well, nice no, to silent. Yeah, yeah. you too.
0: Obviously, yeah. I'm, this is Holly. um Both Austinites, not from here, um so transplants. Although, Holly, you've been here for what, like, ten years at this point.
1: A little over eight years. Yeah.
0: Okay, Close enough. Yeah. (laughs) It's official. Yeah. 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 How long have you been in Austin Park?
3: Um, So I just moved back in 2020. Uh, My wife and I were living in New York. And then when everything was shutting down there, uh, we came here, but I grew up actually between New Jersey and Austin. And so um, I've kind of moved out here, I guess when my parents got divorced in 96 and then left kind of for good in like 2005, like this country ass town and, <laughs> um, and then moved back. And I was like, wow, well, it's, you know, pluses and minuses, I think of all the changes, but I think especially yeah. in queer space, it feels like, you know, again, the state, I feel like has a lot of intensity around it, but the city, I think has changed a lot to be a little bit more welcoming normalizing a queer life and community yeah. which is nice
1: oh yeah that's that's good to hear i i always feel like i get i get discouraged like when stuff happens like yesterday my power randomly went out and i was like i cannot handle living here
2: they <laughs> are like, I like this is it me. yeah
1: yeah i'm like yeah. i'm wanting to get out so bad but i'm like oh my god
0: yeah, well, we all have PTSD from winter outages. So yeah,
3: oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. that was last year. My like whole roof, even it was after past like the main freeze. It was like a normal freeze, I guess, at this point. But my whole roof just collapsed with water damage, and yeah, it was, oh, like oh no. was a whole a thing. But luckily, yeah. nothing got damaged. That was
0: irreplaceable. Well, That's good. Yeah, Good, good lord.
3: Yeah.
0: Well. <laughs> are you partaking in happy hour this evening park
3: i am i brought yeah. wine because although i was like well we're not filming so if i have like red on my teeth it doesn't matter
0: <laughs> <laughs> what kind of wine are you drinking?
3: I'm drinking a cab, uh, like 2020 Napa. I've Ooh. lived in California for about seven years. And I feel like I also got really into wines, just like in general, as a like tasting, you know, something, yum-yums. And when I was out there, I got really into like bold reds and just kind of like, even though it was back to like 75 today, it was like, it's the season for bold yeah. red wines. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. I yeah. feel like once you make the switch from like whites and rosés in the summer to red like I personally can't go back I'm like yeah. I'm staying here until March so yeah <laughs> You're
3: like it's done how about y'all what are you drinking
0: well as Holly knows I'm, red is always in season for me
3: um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I drank red You're yes right. um, yeah Pinot Noir is usually my go-to and that was a really fun part of going to Portland because I've been kind of on a wine yes. journey figuring out like what i like about it the best and i discovered that i like french pinot Noirs the best and then discovered that oregon is very similar as far as climate goes mm-hmm. and so we went to some wineries out there and i was able to talk with the sommeliers and stuff and i was like okay tell me what the science is behind this because <laughs> my, my favorite pinot noirs are from france and um the oregon area and yeah it's just Pinot Noir grapes grow the best there for whatever reason and it was so funny because all the wine the wineries that we went to they're like wine you know flights or whatever were all Pinot Noir based so it was just like perfect I
3: was
0: like (laughs) like, I'll take a
3: case yeah you're like have like some shitty wine by the end of the day you're like why am I doing this (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, it was awesome. Right now, I'm I'm not drinking anything fancy. It's uh, bread and butter, which is a good staple, but.
3: Where do do you go in town for wine? Because I feel like Central Market has, like, a good selection. Surprisingly, I live up North Central, and there's an HEB by me, and maybe it's, like, the Central Market Connect, but they have, like, a really interesting selection sometimes. But in general, it's, like, a lot of fruit wines or something like that. It's, like, how do you find a good selection in Austin? So if you have any recommendations.
1: Yeah, I do think Central Market has a ton. Mm -hmm. And, like, I found some decent stuff at Trader Joe's. Oh, cool, yeah. You, you know, not the three-buck Chuck, but...
3: Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you never know what you're going to get, though. It could be you know, yeah, surprising.
1: Shelves, I feel like they sometimes have some good stuff.
0: Mm. I usually stick with um, Total Wine. Yeah, you know, I just yeah. do, like, a huge... That was actually where I discovered, like, You know, because I I was like, I need to figure out what I like about Pinot Noir. And I would just go in and grab like random Pinot Noirs, you know, and Mm. figure it out from there. Uh, I just love that they have such a huge selection, but sometimes that can be overwhelming, you know? So.
3: Yeah, I was just at um, Estee a couple of weeks ago, and it happened to be on a random Tuesday. And on Tuesday, all of their bottles are half off like all night Ooh, long. And they okay. have some incredible selections. So I was like, well, Tuesday, happy hour, all night long is going to be my go-to.
2: <laughs> for yeah, I
3: got yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like have little like yum-yums on the side. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what are you drinking, Holly? Uh,
1: I am having a 3 AF Cuba, Cuba Libre. So, I am currently sober uh, Sunday through Thursday. Um, So, I've been trying to. Nice. (laughs) Like Monday. Trying trying different like mocktails and stuff. And I don't know if either of you have tried this brand called Free AF, but they Mm -hmm. sell these canned cocktails, zero alcohol, but they all taste so much like the real thing. Like a Cuba Libre is technically like a rum and coke, basically. Um, But they also have. a like vodka and passion fruit. That's like my, my least favorite one, but they have one that's like an Aperol spritz. It tastes exactly like an Aperol spritz. The interesting thing about this company is that they made this ingredient called afterglow that they trademarked and it's supposed to like make your insides feel warm just like alcohol
2: Mm.
3: i was like it's Um, good for the
1: face (laughs) (laughs) i I personally haven't noticed the afterglow i usually only have one so i'm like maybe i just need to drink more of them but um i just think that's so interesting i think they're based out of uh new zealand you can buy the individual cans at like sprouts always has them Mm. but um i ordered like a big pack of all the different ones off their website. So, so far, it's pretty good, yeah.
3: I was just talking to somebody who, like... boyfriend I guess like has a non-alcoholic wine company and I was like "Hmm." Mm -hmm. I was like I feel like spirits have a different potential than wine I feel like it's harder with the flavors and like the body of wine to get it the same without alcohol but I've had some really fun like spirits where I'm like oh I need like something but I'm not ready to go home yet but I'm like not wanting to get more there so I'll like try a mocktail and Mm -hmm. it's nice to try something actually is not just like a cranberry juice or something like yeah
0: Like Well, let's get into it. Um, So yeah, thank you for joining us. You look so cool on your website. I was like, damn, this girl's awesome. (laughs) So kudos. Obviously, you are good at branding. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I would just love to hear, like, tell us your story. Like, what is Park Ballantyne all about? Yeah,
3: well, I would say I'm a multimedia creative. Um, I've come through... I've gotten to the place where I am now in styling and being in production. I think from a longer journey of just being like a storyteller, being in production for a long time. So I started out in film um, and photography, being behind the camera and cinematography, um, worked a lot with like nonprofits and mission, visions based organizations. And from there, Realized at some point, I was talking to a friend about this too. I realized at some point that within the technical side of things, I could keep up with the technology and like really double down and invest in being behind the camera, or I could kind of move myself outside of being behind the camera and work in more management and marketing and some of the branding side of things. And so moved a little bit more into like the director and management role over the years, but was still involved in a lot of shoots and was doing a lot of creative work on the side. And a lot of what I was finding myself drawn to and pulled into was this, um, like stepping into many roles, I think I don't know if you with production. I feel like people kind of do wear many hats a lot of the time, um, and so what's happened is that as I was doing creative work on the side as like passion projects. And then as I was doing marketing and branding and production as part of my day job, I merged those two pieces into doing more styling, doing more branding, and then like working more on the aesthetics and the story of the brand and of the individual. And even just, I would say this year... pretty much I had mostly worked with companies and brands doing commercial and editorial. And I'm just now kind of starting to expand into more personal styling. Um, it's something that being in Austin I've found is a lot of people have really reached out to me. And so I've worked with a lot more executives and founders or people that have like, they are the face of their brand. So it's a little bit more of a personal relationship than a business relationship. Mm -hmm. And, um, through that really, yeah, kind of merging this passion for aesthetics, creative art, and um, working with people and like mission and vision based things. So it's, I guess, a high level story of my career. But then there's a, you know, many more to the mystery behind. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. That's so niche. I love it. Do you yeah. do like the photography piece of it as well, or?
3: Um, Not anymore. So that was something where, you know, I think at some point in my career I do on collaborative projects, sometimes I'll do video behind the scenes or something like that, or kind of reels in the background, but I've um, stepped back a lot from the production side of stuff and being the, the person behind the camera, I mostly found myself as a good intermediary between business and creative because I had both of those experiences. So I have my MBA in business and innovative entrepreneurship, as well as like a background in production and media. So it was kind of this merge over the years again, that kind of took place and brought me to where I am now. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah,
0: Holly, I think I cut you off. Were you gonna ask something?
1: Well, I was just curious if you could because i think when i hear personal styling and this this may be a horrible reference but the first thing that comes to my mind is Rachel Zoe. I am mm. a huge reality TV junkie and like now she's super problematic she probably was then too but um i feel like personal styling is just like not not something that you hear that much about. I mean we hear more about it now that i feel like everybody's business is out there but i'm just curious about Um, are people like, what are people looking for exactly when they hire somebody for that? Is it more about literally just that public image or is it like a social media thing or...
3: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think, you know, one of the beauties of social media and smartphones and things is that a lot of production has become democratized. It's a lot more accessible. People can put themselves out there. You can start a business, you know, and just throw it out there. Um, but I do think that, like, there's a difference. So I've said that before. It's like, oh, like anybody can be a stylist or anybody can be a photographer. Um, and I think there are certain people who, We'll put you know, recommendations or educational things out there where they do like wardrobe transformations or five hot tips or this is what's trending, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a little bit different than what I do. So the clients that I work with is... It's a little bit of a mix of like my kind of special sauce and then also the the branding and I think like more of a public persona. So what I like to think of within styling is... You know, being a mirror for somebody and being able to see something inside of them that they maybe don't see themselves as or like I have a lot of clients, you know, I would say mostly people who've been working in very career focused, like executives, founders, entrepreneurs, stuff like that. And they've just been really head down into their work and haven't always put the same emphasis onto their aesthetic. And so for different reasons, people will come to me and either they're at a place in their career where they're like, oh, well, now I've made it to a place in my life where You know, you can't tell me what to do, so I'm going to dress and be who I want to be, but I don't know what that looks like, you know, (laughs) and or, you know, a place where people are saying like, hey, I want to really like embody something different or show this other side of me that I just, you know, don't know how to do on my own. And so how can you help me cultivate that story, that image, that look? And that's where a lot of the work that I do comes in. of just encouraging people to try things. I feel like I like to, it's kind of like the art and the science of it. You know, I think that there's certain skills you can teach and then there's certain things that are a bit more intuitive and it's aligned or it's not. So, you know, Ways that I would try to push people a little bit more to be embodied and to you know try color. You know, it's like oh, this color works for you or not, or it's hot or it's not, or it's in season or it's not, or something. I just like I'd scrap all that. You know, it's it's really about getting to know somebody and helping to empower us from the inside out. And I think it's very much about the power of aesthetics and you know say things like, oh, like the picture's worth a thousand words. And you know, you have all these things. And I think, especially as a queer person and coming from that background, it's like aesthetics are very much a part of the narrative of who I am and how I've come to be. It's how we find each other, you know, it's how mm-hmm. it's safety, it's not, it's expression, it's not, and and being very conscious of aesthetic, I think, in a way throughout my life. And then finding ways to use that has been an empowering tool, um, is very attractive to people, whether they're queer or not, you know, and I think that encouraging people to be more authentic and more bold and more of themselves, even if it's a minimal aesthetic, you know, like all of that doesn't have to be like the bonanza, but, um, to find yourself and to embody that I think is, is a lot of what my clients come to me for. So that would look like conferences, public appearances, um, You know, like if people have their own brand, maybe it's website, photo shoots. It's still like content behind the scenes, um, helping to just kind of put a different persona or a different side of themselves out there that um, maybe they
0: haven't had the opportunity to yet.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. That's interesting.
0: That's so cool. Yeah, because Holly knows. (laughs) Holly and I have been like... Well, Holly's been on this journey with me of trying to figure I'm out. I'm
1: like, it. is this why you were about to laugh when I said, <laughs> I'm like, why were you about to laugh when I no, said. No,
0: because Holly's been like, kind of like my my support system whenever it comes to like finding clothes, clothes I like. Because like I put on, I, I'm like heavier than I've ever been. You know, I used to, you know, be kind of twinky and now I'm not. Um, mm. I've accepted that, but I'm like what the fuck do I wear now? You know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, having a... Like, my whole wardrobe just was, like, gone in the matter of, like, two years. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've had some people on um, the pod that have been a couple of different fashion people. One of them was, like, a vintage shop, and one of them was, I guess you would call her, like like kind of a clothing repurposing like strategy company, you know, so like
2: Mm.
0: kind of discovered more about uh, thrifting and Holly and I went on a thrifting adventure. Um, she was, she was along for the ride with me and I was like, I was like, I don't know how to thrift, you know? Um, So, yeah, but it's I,
1: like what what Park is saying, like it does make sense now, especially when stuff is so digital, like everything going hmm. together, because it's like, Derek, you owning the yoga studio. Like if you were someone that went out and like were wearing like these buttoned up suits, like people might be like, wait a second, like right. this guy <laughs> that owns yoga for all humans, like that doesn't seem right, which makes <laughs> sense. But it's something you don't really think about
0: that much. Yeah, um, no, it's so true uh because I, I do feel like i am part of the brand of the of the studio of course,
3: you know? yeah. yeah yeah and especially for a small business right i feel like that's a big thing too where you even if it's not your name you're kind of still the face you're still very much enmeshed in the story and the origin the community the you know the resources like all of that like people come i think for founders you know like are definitely part of the the intrigue I guess and so it's it's a way of I don't want to say it's like you're not being inauthentic but being like oh like this is what you want to buy but it's kind of like finding that part of yourself that feels like like there's one client that I have and i a photo shoot with her and she was like who am i like is this me like i, I feel fabulous you know and it's like <laughs> that kind of look good feel good type of energy and i think what i've noticed in my life is like people want like are attracted to that too you know and i think especially as leaders as founders like in these spaces it's you know it's a something that People are drawn to because there is a ballsiness. There's a putting yourself out there. That's trying something. There's healthy risk, you know. And so there's there's an attraction there. And then you can add on top of that something that's a confidence where you feel that confidence. You know, like maybe some of that imposter stuff that can happen too. Like all of that can be more and more swayed or like soothed by a way that um, I you know can help people present in the world. And I think that that you know, just makes such a big difference. If you go into like a conversation, you're like, I feel kind of like a scrub, you know, or something versus like, oh, I feel really like hot and fabulous and the way that I am, you know, and maybe would even say like a suit. If that's like who you are, then people would be like, oh, well, I wear suits. I didn't even think I could do yoga. Like, I don't have to be like wearing Birkenstocks and like, you know, chiffon (laughs) or something to do yoga. Like, you know, it's like, oh, like everybody does yoga. And then that kind of makes it maybe more, more of an entry point for people that, you know, you didn't know that's Mm -hmm. even like a talking point in that way too.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. That's cool. I love it. So as I was digging around the website, I saw that you had, you know, kind of like locations of operation listed. So it was like Austin, New York city, LA and Berlin. Mm -hmm. So is that kind of like your targeted, like areas of like where you kind of focus your efforts
3: yeah. So, I mean, I'm based in Austin and then in, um, come from New York. So I was doing work in New York and have clients there in LA kind of I would say like LA, San Francisco adjacent, because I lived in the mm-hmm. Bay area for many years. So I have clients and, um, yeah, kind of like work, like throughout the California area. And even that's something that right now actually is like part of my goals of doing more, Uh, personal styling is staying in Austin because I would say Mm -hmm. the bulk of my career have since I've been working for myself over the last two years has actually been out of town. Like I haven't been working as much in Austin. And so I've been traveling two, three times a month for work and I want to be more involved in community here. Like my wife and I have decided we're going to stay in Austin we want to root here. And so, you know, what does that look like? And you know, if I'm gone all the time, it's hard to, you know, make connections and community and like really invest in the space. Um, and then my wife is German. So we go to Germany fairly frequently and, um, at least a few times a year. And when we go, we often go to Berlin. And so I do have like clients and, um, some work that I've done out there. And so that's part of that, like, expanding a little bit past the pond so to speak um (laughs) and what that looks like and definitely when we were living in new york there was a little bit more of that opportunity and when people were traveling a little bit more for work um but that was something where i worked for like a uk-based but like international company
0: okay yeah the berlin thing i was kind of jealous of because My so my husband is a research scientist, like in the literal terms, he's working in a lab at UT, which is why we moved to Austin. And he's kind of been job searching. And Germany is very science focused, you know,
3: Mm -hmm. Um, very engineering. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And they have a lot of like perks of, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you have your like your Ph.D. or like really advanced degrees and stuff that they're looking for perks of you moving there and so he's actually been looking at jobs there and i was like oh okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was like if that becomes uh, a thing i'm gonna ask park how she likes like yeah. <laughs> yes oh,
3: it's so much fun I, it's one of my favorite cities i would say cool. like yeah it's so we've talked about that like i said we're we're rooted here in Austin and kind of reinvesting here. But if we were to live, I think another place or maybe in the next like five, 10 years um, looking to move to Berlin, because that's definitely on the list of places where there's great fashion, there's music, there's like, it's really central in Europe. And then you also have like an extension to a lot of other areas in the world that I haven't yet to travel. And I feel like it'd be really exciting to be able to be more connected with like other cultures and communities i don't speak german but (laughs) um can can kind of understand after like a week i can get by a little bit of understanding at least people are forgiving
0: (laughs) you have an expert you can learn from it yeah
3: yeah yeah yeah. like what's that word again
1: i feel like my translator Like the companies and the brands that you work with in New York and L.A., but especially like in Berlin, I assume you see like some really different like aesthetics than what you would like here in Austin or anywhere else in the U.S. Is that that how it is or does it depend on the company, um, like what they do or...
3: It does. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's some strong difference. I mean, I always like to say that Europe has like a really strong, like 80s, 90s kind of like passion. I think especially Germany, mm-hmm. I think there was yeah. something about the fall of the wall that kind of concretized a lot of good memory, maybe in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a lot of like music and fashion can like harken back to that. But there's some really fun I'm always like really inspired by street culture and like street fashion in that way as well. When I go out and I think about like you know, there's kind of like functionality where even moving from New York to Austin, you store a lot of high heels and like be able to walk a lot and like on the sidewalks and stuff. And when I moved to Austin, I was like, oh, it's just a 10 minute walk. I'll walk there. And it was like, oh, that was like a total fail. I'm like on the side <laughs> of the highway trying to like, you know, like walk in my heels. I was like, oh, it's all good. You know? So I think that like, you know, some of it's like functional, but then there's a lot of like, color seasonality like cuts like you see a lot more of like um like asymmetry i feel like a lot and like different types of materials or like a track suit like kind of things like sportswear is different you know and i think like also like what cultures are influencing that here in the us versus like in you know germany in particular but like europe um but you do have a lot of that like like more interesting, I want to say like movement structure of clothing. Like you do see a lot of things that are designed, I think for movement in a way that I've noticed in, in Germany in particular, there's a a designer that I used to work with and she was a dancer. So it was like very specific to that as well, but um, also would speak, I think a lot to like the stretchy kind of uh, materials or like the, Cut cut on the bias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of like uh, styles of a lot of things where it would hang
1: differently. So, yeah. Yeah, I went I went to Iceland. Was it last year? I don't even remember now. (laughs) Um, We had to reschedule it so many times because of COVID. It was last year, um, last spring. And we went all around the golden circle, but you know, Reykjavik is like their big city, but it's, it's really not like that big of a city, but they are so influenced by like, there's so much like punk rock roots there. And like, you can see it, like even just how people are dressing in the street, like it'll be like 10 a.m. People are wearing like neon club wear. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it was, it was so fascinating. Um, I feel like I haven't traveled to anywhere where I where I saw fashion quite like that, and it was it was interesting because you you know you're like oh I'm going to Iceland, people are going to be like bundled up, and it's like no, people are looking cool.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's like lots of mesh, yeah,
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah, mesh with like beanies and like the fingerless gloves and stuff. It was it was cool.
3: Yeah, no, and I I mean it was always really fun in New York. I feel like to get those like inspiration, just walking past people. I think that's a difference too of, you know, trend versus style versus fashion Mm -hmm. and um, Mm -hmm. a little bit of the art of it. And like people that are passionate about the dress, you know, it's like I was living in Chicago actually before I moved to New York and I was at the time, wearing a lot of black. And then when I moved to New York, I was like, oh, I was like, how am I going to stand out? I was like, everybody's wearing black. I was like, no, I have to wear something totally different. You know, I'm (laughs) in Austin and it's like, oh, there's a lot of like neutrals and like softer tones and stuff. And finding some of those, like, I would say for me, like my personal aesthetic is more like an alternative, kind of playful or like trying on like more bold looks and things. And so I like to pull from that to, inspire me in the work that I do too
1: yeah that's cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: yeah it's I've noticed like also here like the the country roots start to like seep into everything or I'm like ooh, like I was like I have a whole belt buckle collection now or it's like oh it's a new accessory <laughs> that I can play with and like yeah, um yeah kind of like how to incorporate like even like jewelry and stuff is like a little bit different i was like oh my fingers get really swollen so i can't have like all of my bedazzle all the time when I'm, like in the summer heat yeah uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah i still need to get my Wedding my wedding ring resized because I'm like, shit, I can't wear that anymore. You know?
3: yeah. You're like, what does that like carry and sex in the city like, Right around yeah, your neck. Just, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's a good idea. It's closer I to mean, my I'm heart. Yeah. Right. I know. Yeah. Only only she was like lying cheating. Yeah,
2: well, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> also that. Because yeah,
1: yeah. her fingers were chubby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I not know, fair.
3: <laughs> yeah. I just did like a like a rewatch of that, like over the weekend. So I was like, Oh yeah. Refreshed at it all. It's
1: those early seasons. Oh my gosh. Isn't it so funny to watch, like rewatch it back now?
3: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting. Cause I feel like it was HBO like late at night and it was all like salacious, you know, it's was like, Ooh, you get to see like boobs and like soft core or something. And now I'm like, Oh, well, wow, this is like, Offensive and also, you know, like yeah, very uh, tame. It's like, also, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was yeah, like it's more and less at the same time. Yeah,
0: it is wild to go back and watch. I've done a few mm. watches, and every time I'm like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's this, yeah, I haven't yeah. been able
3: to get into the new stuff, I was like, ah, it was what it was. It was like, just stay, stay there. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah I, know, I hear you. <laughs>
3: a great fashion. (laughs)
2: Uh Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm curious, like how, how do you connect with your clients initially? Like what are they usually searching for when they find you or, or is it more of a networking thing or?
3: Um, I would say it's a, a mix. So I've had a lot of network opportunities. I feel like industry does tend to be a little bit small in that way. So there is a lot of word of mouth and referrals. Um, and I've been really lucky in that regard to to have good relationships with people. I think, especially in fashion, but in production, I think in general, there can be a lot of ego or um, kind of like old boys club kind of things mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when making connections with people who are you know already established or working outside of that system or kind of like having other types of relationships, I've had a lot of success with that. And in general, I would say If you want to go, you know, to a store and have somebody help you try something on, like there's definitely a lot of resource out there. If you want to Google, like what to wear this season or what not to wear, you know, like what to wear, what not to wear, like help, I need a makeover, you know, like there's a lot of it's a different world, and there's a lot of resources out there. Um, So I think people come to me a lot because they're looking for that unique kind of bold experience, but also something that's a little bit more tailored to them. So I do a lot of essentially like personal pop-ups for people where I do like if it's the individual shopping, for instance, then I go and treat it almost as if it's like a fitting at a shoot or something as well. So pull a lot of looks, I'll work with people to understand what they're interested in that season, what's inspiring them, and then come up with mood boards and ideas of like the type types of stuff that I'm thinking of, pull all that stuff, meet them, and then have like kind of an in-home shopping experience, essentially. Um, So it's very i would say elevated tailored unique you know you, if you don't have the time or like the patience or the passion for you know <laughs> going out there and doing it yourself then like i can come and help and and show up in that regard so i think that experience is something that people really appreciate and then um in particular people that are looking for something that's a little bit more especially here in Austin, I think like outside of what the average person might have access to or might, you know, kind of encourage or something, because there is a little bit of a, I would say a consistency in the aesthetic here, um, that if you're wanting something that's helping you to stand out or make a name for yourself or kind of be embodied in a different way that I think it takes a little bit of a different, um, eye for that. And so, um, people who know me in that way would, would recommend that.
0: Yeah, just that brings me back to um, Holly and I met whenever we were in college at LSU and Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge is where I grew up. So God, it was so hard shopping for like unique pieces in Baton Rouge. I don't know if you felt that way, Holly, but like whenever I actually started caring about fashion, I was like, oh, my God, like this is a nightmare to try to find anything, you know?
1: For me, which, I don't know, maybe you felt this way, Park, but, like, I grew up in the Midwest, and so that has its own style, Mm -hmm. and I, then I moved to Louisiana to go to school, and I wanted to join a sorority, so when I went through Rush, everyone was wearing, like, stuff I was, I'd never seen that before, like, they Mm -hmm. were, like, they were going to the Kentucky Derby, and I was Mm -hmm. like... What the fuck is this? Like I <laughs> all of them wearing hats and stuff and I was wearing stuff from Express. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was wearing a tube dress a strapless tube dress. Like what is this? Yeah. And I felt so like on the first day.
3: It's like it, you were way ahead of your time. I was like the 90s are back. Babe. Yeah. I was
1: <laughs> Oh my god. Um because we're out there in the heat in front of these houses and you have to go all day to these different parties and it's like obviously a lot of the girls I felt like they were wearing stuff that was so expensive they probably had someone like a stylist that helped them pick that stuff out like it was it was so different than I was and I was like oh my god I I had no money like I was so broke in college and especially when I got to LSU um all I had was what I brought and so I was like back at my dorm room trying to be like okay what the can I figure out for the next four days? Because I felt like I looked so out of place. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You're like, I You're like where are
3: my pearls, clutches?
1: <laughs> yes. Like, I, I felt that way a lot through my mm. whole college experience. Like even going out, it was like, I could go to forever 21 and maybe get like a shirt to go out when everyone else was going to like BB and buying these like expensive things. And I was like, Oh my god, I was so broke and I met Derek working at Abercrombie so I would get some clothes like on like okay,
3: model. <laughs> right, we were models. It's like I've seen the documentary. I know what
1: happened. Yeah, <laughs> hot chicks. so like yeah. <laughs> Right, right. Um so yeah, we had our own like mm. time with with fashion working at, at the Crombie. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's like I felt like I always just had a tough time because I either didn't have money and I wasn't savvy. Like at the time I was not going to Goodwill. I didn't even think to like go to Goodwill and look for stuff, which I wish I would have, but I did not.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like, I mean, you said to you, like, what do people come to me for? And part of that, you know, unique Tailored experience is also budget. So, you know, not everybody is going to want to spend $5,000 on a t-shirt or something, you know, it's like, there's a lot of different variety. And so I think being able to really tailor things to what people are looking for. And that's something that in my experience and background, too, it's like, I love to go, you know, thrifting slash like, I don't know, (laughs) outletting, whatever that is. But I also like, I'll go a lot of times to department stores to, you know, mainstream boutiques, as well as like outlets. And sometimes like same season stuff is like on the same racks for, you know, 40% less. And it just takes like, again, like that time or like that interest of like finding those things. And so I think like part of that is also not saying like, oh, style and fashion can only come and look this way. Um, Mm -hmm. And it also doesn't have to be, you know, necessarily fast fashion. That's like, you know, disintegrates as soon as you like put it on or gives you a rash when you like, you know, wear it or whatever, you know, it's like, it can be, it can look a lot of different ways. And I think that that's also something that's really important too, is like making sure that, all of yourself is like feeling comfortable that it doesn't have to be, you know, I didn't come up in like couture and that way necessarily, but I have a passion for putting things together in a way that feels authentic and that feels expressive. And that is um, like for me, eye catching, but can be a lot of different things for different people.
1: Yeah. I really, I really like that. I feel like I've seen so many people over the course of, you know growing up where i'm like wow that person just looks so cool and it's like a t-shirt and jeans it, it and it's like i think it is it's like what you're saying it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like um the most expensive item or necessarily the most trendy but it's like whatever fits their their vibe
3: mm-hmm. yeah totally and it's and i think that that's it's interesting i've talked with other stylists or people whose you know style i admire and sometimes i feel like it's a a skill that's somewhat taken for granted because, you know, it's like, oh yeah, like you just put this thing together and like everybody can do that. And I think, you know, it's a little bit of a learned something of being around understanding like, oh, like what works well for me and what feels good. And, you know, I feel like I always kind of, not to throw my wife under the bus, but I feel like I was like one of those things, like when I met her, she was very much like a little bit more of a sporty dyke, kind of like cargo shorts and like trucker hats and stuff. And I think she wanted to have a different type of style, but didn't really know what that looked like. And so over many years, it was a process of like encouraging her to try things. And she was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm like, no, just like try it, try it. And how many times it's like, just having somebody sometimes give you the permission, to try something that's in your heart. Like in my intake forms for clients, I you know, always ask like, oh, who do you look up to? Or what are some things that you like style icons or things that you like? Because I do believe very strongly that um, things that you admire already kind of live inside of you. So it's like, there's already something there that you're wanting to embody with something, even if it feels weird or different or like oh I could never do that or something like that I feel like there's a lot of those pieces and it can be quite healing too you know I think I go back to like my own story and identity as well of you know I was not I I now I think have a much more like feminine presentation a lot of time when I like dress up and stuff but when I was younger it was a little bit more androgynous masculine and you know that was it was a style that worked for me but it was also a response to feeling like oh I just kind of wanted to mute myself a little bit. And I didn't want to stand out. I didn't want to get a lot of attention. And I felt really uncomfortable with my femininity as like something that was dangerous or something. Right. And so this idea that, you know, I could try on like high heels or, you know, I don't, I don't even still, I don't really wear of, like dresses or skirts, but like things that are like more revealing or, you know, that mm-hmm. grab attention like that was something that uh, made me uncomfortable. But when I started to try it or like, you know, test it out or like wear it around my apartment or something at the time, it felt really exciting and naughty, but like thrilling. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that kind of feeling is the type of feeling that I hope for everyone and like all my clients too, Where it's like, there's something already in you. That's like, you know, seeking this thing. Like there's a quote by the poet Rumi that I like a lot that says like what you seek is seeking you. Mm-hmm. And So I feel like this idea that like already what I'm envisioning or desiring is out there also like looking for the magnet, you know? And so, I mean, it can be a, as silly as like sifting through a lot of different clothes and be like, Oh, like this thing just kind of caught my eye. But sometimes, you know, those material things can have that type of magnetic attraction as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's funny that you say that because I feel like whenever there are have been times when it's like oh I got something and I'm like oh, I don't know if I'll ever actually wear this but I'm getting it and then when I'm at home and I'm like okay I'm gonna wear it you, you know you feel like oh my god everyone's gonna <laughs> see, like everyone's gonna think I'm dumb or whatever mm-hmm. and I feel like anytime I've done that it's like you always get so many compliments people are like cool like you're you love this yeah knowing your style yeah like not dressing like everybody else and that's always fun. Yeah, like
3: finding your own voice, you know, it's, a, it's definitely, you know, and I think it takes a certain level of like self-assurance and like also like the support around you or because I think that happens to people too, where you try something and everybody's like, oh, like, what's that? Or like, why would you wear this? Or, you know, people are haters or, you know, like you get all kinds of things out in the world, you know, and so um, there's a... Like a queer non-binary kind of fashion icon, a lock that I love a lot, and they're always talking about this idea that, um, you know, when you're when you're out there like living your truth, essentially, like you know, there's people that will try to put that down because there's parts of themselves that they've had to, you know, put down or cut out to survive, and so that idea that we can all be ourselves and explore what that looks like seems really threatening when you've had to like. Cut those things out of yourself as well, you know. And so, I try to do what I can. I feel like, especially being here in Texas, right? It's like how to be even more of like a rock and roll for like, you know, being more authentic and being more of yourself and taking those risks and like, you know, getting at least somebody being that encouragement for you and like that support of you could do it. You know,
0: that's beautiful. <laughs> Whenever I was perusing, obviously it sounds like I stalked you. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I was like, I love it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we do our research. Not the
3: first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It looked like branding was was a big service that you provide as well. So, and I guess like whenever you're differentiating between like branding for a business, and then we've talked a lot about styling. Like, where are they one and the same? Is it? Is it? I guess like where where do you draw the line with that?
3: I feel like it's a very similar process for me, actually. I think, well, at least a lot of with, with the businesses that I choose to work with, I think mm-hmm. there's, you know, I feel lucky that I don't work for like a firm where I'm just assigned somebody to work with. I can yeah. choose, um, you know, somebody that I feel like has that alignment. But a lot of times with clients, like I'll sit down and I have, you know, kind of a list of really deep and meaningful questions I think that go through with their leadership team or with people that are like part of that stakeholder team of what this brand looks like, what it feels like, and getting an idea of what, like how do you communicate something that's somewhat of an idea into a visual medium, whether that's through like a design, like a flow a user experience or through like an aesthetic that's represented, you know, in photos, video, text font, like all those kinds of components that put together a brand. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's a pretty deep process of understanding, you know, what, what you want to go out in the world. And I think there's, there's like this little tension between, um, you know, our businesses there to meet the requests and demands of clients and like people that are out there or businesses there to offer something new or kind of like be themselves and find the right like match, you know? And so I think that it's a little bit of like walking that tension line of knowing who your audience is and like knowing who you're, Drawing in and knowing who you're talking to while also not sacrificing some innate like authenticity. And I think that my passion for business is thinking about how can businesses do this differently and how can businesses be part of this authentic representation and like thinking about what does that look like? And you know, that can be Anything from the lighting, the mooding, like what fonts you're using, you know, how, um, what your copy is. Like some, some things I'm not an expert in like all things, but I know a little bit of like how to distill into the direction that I'm going to give the people who are going to then like um, execute, like kind of deliver on those pieces. Um, And that's, I think for me, the process that I work a lot with like founders and stakeholders on is, you know, who who are you as the company, you know, similar as I would work with an individual of like understanding who they want to be. It's also, again, I think that that attraction that people will be drawn into the business is a very similar thing as what would draw people into like an individual with a style or something in that way too. And so, yeah, it's, it's having that initial intake, sitting with it for a little bit. I often come up with a little bit of a mixed media mood board for people. So it's, you know, textures, it's colors, it's, imagery it's all kinds of things it sounds sometimes like what is how does this kind of all culminate into an essence you know of a brand Mm -hmm. and what does that look like and is this it does this resonate and then how do we then break that down and walk that back into all these different areas of offerings and products and services slash like representation marketing communications you know all that kind of stuff so it's It's a fun process, I think, to work with brands on on that kind of like identity building, you know, and and then I think you weave or I like to weave a little bit of like who is who's the audience and then, you know, who are you and like, how are we kind of creating this thing that feels like uh, an organic, you know, some simpatico or something. and Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like you're, you know, you're seeking. who what you're seeking is seeking you. It's like how do you, you know, yeah. tell that story essentially and um and become that thing that feels yeah, like an organic attraction.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like that's always the hardest part. Like you can mm. know who you who you want your audience to be, but then it's like who is it really? Mm-hmm. Mm. Sometimes it be a harsh reality. And then like what do they want? <laughs> like
3: Yeah. I mean, and there's kind of, you know, there's I feel, you know, you always have like the Apple example and Steve Jobs and stuff who was always about like people don't know what they want, you know. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if they you yeah, are like, I think even the guy who like invented the car or something was like, Oh, if you ask people what they wanted, they'd say a faster horse. You know, it's like they don't they don't have the understanding and the knowledge that you have of like these ideas that can be innovative. And I think it's a little industry specific too. like, how much are you trying to innovate versus like fit in versus finds like a niche, you know, like those types of things. So some of those things do change, but but it is a little bit of like finding that that story, but not having I think we live in a time and space and culture where people can sniff out fakeness a little bit more than, you know, back in the day, or something. I don't know, I don't know if that's true. But, but at least it feels much more true. And so I think this desire to constantly kind of bring forward something more authentic, especially for you know small mid-sized businesses is which I deal with. I don't work with like mega corporations in that way. So in working with people who are really close to their product, who are really close to their services, it means something to them that I think that that is really valuable.
1: When I was in college, which this was like I was a journalist and um one of my one of the like projects that I gave myself was for for a newspaper and I was going to do a series on local DJs and I went to the like Baton Rouge hip-hop station and one cool thing that I'll never forget is that they had two cutouts in the in like the DJ booth or whatever like wherever near the radio station um it was a a female and a male looking cut out and beside it it had her name her favorite drink her favorite song where she liked to shop and they were like every single thing we do if we're about to play a song if tina won't like that we do not play it if we're planning an event and tina would not come we do not do that event every single Mm -hmm. thing like that was their audience and i was like that that was in probably 2005 and it's like that was pre- It's
3: still relevant.
1: Like that is so smart. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's
3: there's definitely companies that do like you know demographic profiles, and you could say, okay, this is like the the service product I'm offering, this is where I'm located and they'll run, you know, reports on, okay, like these are the platforms. They listen to Spotify, Pandora, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. like like these are the stores Mm -hmm. that they shop at. These are the cars they drive. This is where they shop, you know, and you can start to, especially if you have like advertising dollars in that way, or you're like starting to be more targeted, then that will also help you say like, oh, am I doing, am I focusing on SEO or am I focusing on like, you know, social content, you know, like these different types of, And again, with like small and mid-sized businesses, those can be really important decisions to make too with budgets as well. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I hear that. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh (laughs) Yeah, I was like, we're all, we're all working it. Yeah,
0: (laughs) we are. I like this last question. I'll give Holly the credit. And this could be a loaded question, but, you know, we've kind of talked about how branding and finding like your voice and stuff are kind of complicated. What is something that people typically get wrong about branding? Are there, like, branding myths that people think they need to do that's not, like, completely true?
1: Like, my first thought was, like, do people just think a brand is, like, slapping a logo on everything? hmm hmm I mean, I think what in my experience with branding is that
3: there's a lot that people don't know, they don't know. Um, And I think that don't know like how much goes into things and in general, kind of building off this last conversation we were just having is I think a lot of people also don't know their target audience and don't know who actually does want your services, you know, and, and who am I trying to fit? And I think, especially for smaller midsize, there's, again this kind of fear of isolating somebody and we do live in a world where there's a lot of conversations about like inclusion and belonging and i think that like essentially in the representation all of that is very important and as a business there has to be some kind of distillation and like targeting that's going on like you if you're trying to please everybody you're going to please no one kind of a you know narrative and i think you know it has to be inclusive but like targeted, you know, if that makes sense. And I think Mm -hmm. um, that's what I've seen a lot where people get scared of starting to make more um, finite decisions perhaps, or like more like concretized decisions. And so they end up spending a lot of energy and a lot of time trying to make it as wide and as wide as possible um, without kind of starting to narrow down and investing into this like core piece and core audience, core clientele, that often I think is, again, that mirror of yourself, you know, and so if you kind of know who you are, then you know, who's attracted to you, you know, who your audience is, you know, what what your value is, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, self-help or something. It's like, I am worth, I am worthy. Like this is what I'm really <laughs> good at. You know, like I'm not, you know, the details person. I'm not an analyst, you know, I'm I'm a creative. I have these skills or something. And this is why people come to me. They don't come to me to like get into the nitty-gritty or something, but to know that about oneself, whether it's a business or individual, or something like that, like is very important. And then also to start to like build. like a conversation around that and build the value around that because all of these things have value. You know, it's like, we all need each other. That's part of it too. Like, I think that's, that's again, where it's like, okay, am I trying to feed everybody or am I like really like more specific into my goals? Those would be some of the things that I think, you know, as a, as an individual serving people and like doing creative direction and doing like branding for people, I think, there's a lot of times where there is a misunderstanding of like, what is a brand? Like it's a voice, it's an identity, it's a whole persona. It's a, it's, you know, a personhood of sorts, you know? Right. And so how do you start to create and cultivate and tell that story of like this entity um, in a way that's, that's powerful. I think for I've seen just a lot of people be more scared i think to to own it and to to know who they are and what they do in um, that way i think i feel like that answers the question
0: it does. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yeah I've, I've been doing a lot of self-reflection this whole time
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like, gonna go do my yoga meditation
0: now
2: yeah.
3: right. <laughs> yeah.
0: well for a long time whenever i first opened the studio i was like you know you touched on you know the inclusion piece and like representing like everyone and that was really hard for me because obviously like it's in the name all humans and I'm like I was like hesitant to be the face because I'm like I'm a white cis man you know Mm -hmm. like yeah I'm gay but like at the end of the day I am a white cis man and like there's enough of that these days you know and so I was like kind of shy to like Make myself the face of it, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've come to terms with that, and like, you know, it's all about uplifting other people. and you know, there's a lot that goes into it. but yeah, it was it was hard at first that I was like, I didn't want to like make it about me. And it, you know, whenever you're trying to like whenever you have a more accessible, inclusive business model and you're a white person, it can be really challenging, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've been on a journey with that myself.
3: Yeah, no, and I think that that's like, you know, it's also again part of that like sniffer technique too of like, oh, like people, people know that, you know, they'll Google right. you or whatever, and they be like, right. oh, it's just like a white dude. Like, what's going on? You know, like, right. like who are you? What's happening? But you know, I think again, like from from who you are and like the values that you have, like that will shine through. And then it's like, if you're talking about, like, it's about uplifting people, it's about like creating more space in like industry, it's about, you know, creating more opportunity, like, you know, all of these things, like that does shine through and there is a space for all of us, you know, and there's a disproportionate amount of like history that's been given to like, the dude club and the white club mm-hmm. of, and like, you know, the is club. And so it's like, Oh yeah. Like, how do we kind of, you know, step back, but also still be present as like a supportive factor as, you know, like, who are we hiring? Who are the vendors we're working with? Like mm-hmm. who are the, like for myself, it's like, what are the, you know, opportunities I'm providing for people? Like, who am I giving referrals to like, who yeah. am I pulling into things? And, you know, bringing all of that in as like a queer white person myself, you know? And so I feel like that's also part of that narrative of like being thoughtful, but, you know, it's something that I've held as a lot of value to is like, you know, I don't have to change myself or erase myself to like be of value, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to put it much better than I did. (laughs)
3: Uh (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) <laughs> like i appreciate it
0: yeah. oh yeah yeah well, we've kept you for a full hour believe it or not it flew by yeah. was there anything that like we didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about
3: i don't think so i had a great time it was really fun i would love to do it again and yeah, catch
1: up know. next time like, yeah. i didn't know that you were based in austin so i'm like we have we'll have to get wine yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i was like yeah, we could all share all a bottle time. at este <laughs> yeah, I, know. I-, I can break my sobriety for half off bottles <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. i was like we'll do it yeah i was like when the holiday breaks yeah we'll be fine there we go yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's that's uh someone that we previously had on the podcast she posted on instagram today saying or yesterday someday saying um because it's the holidays is going to be my like decision-making barometer for, for this whole month mu- for the whole month i was like oh it's I like quote that.
3: unquote the holidays
0: yeah
1: right. like the holidays. yeah yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah they should. um well park where can the people find you
3: People can find me on my website at parkbalantine.com. The E is silent on park. <laughs> and um, at my Instagram, park.balantine yeah I'm also a dj on co-op radio ninety one point seven so if you oh, can find really? me yeah no. i just uh I just joined this year so it's a little bit of a newer endeavor but it's uh I have a show now on Tuesdays from three to four thirty okay central ninety one point seven so if you like all kinds of queer genre, mostly like indie soul adjacent stuff. Love it. You can have a great video voice, I feel. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was like sometimes I'm like, I say like a lot. I don't know. Oh, well, <laughs> don't we all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: We do. Whenever I go back and listen to the podcast episodes, whenever I'm, because I do the editing, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, come to Derek. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Not again.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. it's really
3: great um, meeting y'all. And thank you so much for me having too. me. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah sure. for
0: sure. Yeah. And we, we actually, it's on our list to coordinate like a happy hour of a lot yeah. of awesome guests that we've had, so it would be so fun yeah
3: i would love that yeah definitely people can meet each other
0: yeah. yes
3: it's like if anybody uh, needs to be styled i was like let me know <laughs>
0: yeah for sure yeah. and i'm like shit i could use that
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> pro
3: bono yeah
0: <laughs> Well, thank you for your time. It was it was so great getting to talk to you. I'm glad we finally got to catch up. Life, for once, didn't get in the way this evening. So, love it. Yeah. Thanks,
3: life.
2: Yeah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> much appreciated.
0: Yeah. Well, um, happy holidays because it is um, December tomorrow. Believe it or not. So.
3: Yep. The holidays. The yeah. <laughs> holidays. <laughs> and yeah. Thank you so much.
1: Have a lovely thank evening. You, you, you.
0: too. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Holly, where can people find you?
1: They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at orangejulias7, also on thebitterlemon.com and on Etsy, Bitter Lemon Digital. And Derek, where can people find you?
0: So I am on Instagram with my personal account at Yoga With Derek, and that's D-E-R-E-K spelled the correct way. And on Instagram for Yoga for All Humans, it is at Yoga for All Humans on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Um, Don't judge my TikTok game. I'm still learning. On LinkedIn, you can sync up with me, Derek Hagler, on there. And Yoga for All Humans has its own LinkedIn account as well. And, of course, yogaforallhumans.com is the studio's website. Small Business Happy Hour has its own Instagram account at Small Business Happy Hour, or you can email us at smallbusinesshappyhour@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Cheers. Cheers!
2: See you next Tuesday! Tuesday.